Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Vicky McLeod. This time around, it's a quick debrief with the programme coach, John Singleton, about Waterpalooza, his take on the workouts, the impressive performances of the athletes, and a chat about the various benefits of youth or experience. Patrick Fellner, that's about you. So let's get to it. Okay, happy Monday, John. Happy Monday. I um, I had severe FOMO this weekend watching Miami. What about you? Yeah, you know, um, I definitely, I would I would like to have been over there. Like, um, so many people, and, and they have seemingly achieved that goal of becoming the uh, the festival of fitness. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, I have um, I have some questions to ask you from a from an, uh, a coach's point of view. I wanted to ask, having now seen the workouts, mm-hmm. um, what you thought about them. I wanted to ask firstly what you thought about the heavy double unders, GHD, and pig flip because I think from what I understood from the athletes afterwards, that rope was much heavier than they were expecting. Yeah, I think also the accumulated fatigue. Um, played more of a factor, you know. Eventually, the workout, you know, the workout was 16 minutes. And so I think that there are two things that came into play. One was your capacity. And then the other thing was how easily you could fit the pig. But if you didn't have both of those, you weren't going to uh, to go far. You know, I, I think, you know, taking example, like Sarah, obviously, in that workout, came out really well, moved the pig really quick. Um, but unfortunately, he started to slow down during the rounds. Whereas Ellie Turner in that workout, obviously, you could flip the pig or the, however the, the thing is called <laughs> mm. um, quite, quite well um, and, and managed to maintain the capacity very well through the workout. So actually, you kind of snuck in for, for the win there. She was uh, really impressive, actually, over the weekend. I thought it was uh, really exciting to watch her to watch her taking both wins on day one and the way that she hung on throughout the weekend it was only yeah. on the last on the, 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 the second work no the first workout on the last day it looked like she was having a tough time and apparently it's down to um gymnastic skills yeah it's tough you know like i know especially as well the financial implications like you know you're there you're you're leading from the start going into the final day with a good point lead it's a significant amount of money um, and then to go from first down off the podium on the last day is it, it's very hard. So it's easier to climb than to fall during a competition. Um, and so, and, and so, yes, I do feel for her. She she had a great performance um, on the first few days, um, which you know is, is going to be give her a lot of confidence going through. But it's always very hard for an athlete to to fall on the leaderboard rather than climb. Like we said before, it was also a great opportunity for some of the lesser-known names in the sport to get noticed, and that certainly happened this weekend. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think in the end, it, it came away with three kind of uh, prominent games athletes being on the podium, on the, especially on the female side. Um, and so, you know, that's... Uh, you know, I think the kind of end result is maybe not necessarily where we saw it at the beginning. There were definitely a few names in there who we thought would do uh, do very well, 
but as you said, they've got a lot of exposure for people who necessarily aren't um, big names yet. I have another question to ask you about the choices of how they they set up the the bar complex on day two because they were using what looked like much shorter bars than usual, like what I would even describe as a training bar. Is that did you notice that? Yes, yeah, so this is something we we actually implement as training. So if you actually notice it in the uh, the Mir complex as well. So the, these are the old Rogue uh, mini bars. Um, so interestingly, Rogue. So the main reason they use them is to fit more people on a competition floor. Mm. That was why they were were invented. Um, however, uh, so and there's big two. One main disadvantage with that bar, and that it doesn't have what's called the whip. So, on like a normal female bar or normal male bar, there's what's called whip in the barbell, meaning that mm. it moves, and you can use that to your advantage. So, especially when you're um, going for a jerk, you get this little movement of the barbell, and that little whip actually helps you quite a lot. And these thinner bars don't have as or smaller bars don't have as much width, and therefore they're a lot harder to maneuver um, technically. And that's why so many athletes were struggling at those weights compared to, to the typical bar, like especially in bouncing hang cleans or the jerks. It really makes that much difference. It makes a huge difference. And, and the front squats, it won't make a difference, um, which is why you saw the athletes move through those two parts quite quickly. But on the clean, especially doing bouncing cleans or um, jerks, it makes a huge difference, which is why we saw so many jerk failures. Um, but... Yeah. Is, but, um, is, is the bar the same weight as a it's not the same weight so it's, a, so it's lightweight so interestingly Rogue brought out a um, new barber so so in, for the games they, they also had female and male diameters of those smaller bars but they actually just brought out a new barber which is one they used at the games which is a shorter barbell but the width of the actual bar it's the same, but just the collar distance is shorter. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this barbell, the whole thing's shorter, and that actually becomes easier to use um, through. The reason they brought this barbell out was so so that short barbell doesn't fit on a normal squat rack. Oh, You've got to imagine as a person at home gym, so now they've brought out a barbell that is the same length bar, but shorter collars, and therefore that fits into a squat rack but is uses a little less space, so so they now have that um, that version, which is what they had at this year's games. But this must be kind of their um, pre-games competition pack because there's significantly more people on the floor this year than there have been in the past years. I, I heard that that um, the organisers had extended the arena so that they could fit more people. So it makes more it makes a lot of sense that they, they had like enough room to have. 30 athletes out there but very little space in between in the lanes mm. so it's a matter of safety as well as making it difficult yes very true it's um it, i think really it came it came about just to make for practical reasons to fit more people on a competition for but actually it's a factor in um the competition as well and also in the um the row swim run it was quite challenging as well even for me like watching them running barefoot after they got out of the water how would that affect um an athlete 
So it's an interesting one. Like, I think it depends on what you're used to. So one thing CrossFitters are quite used to doing is training in relatively minimal shoes, um, meaning that their foot is kind of used to the impact, at least somewhat. Um, whereas, you know, if you're always running in padded, cushioned shoes, then that's a big change and a big impact. The fact that it's on a machine also means that it's slightly easier um, running barefoot because um, you've got to imagine that you kind of, there's the grounds moving underneath you as you're striking on the assault runner. Whereas on the floor, you have that solid impact. So it's actually slightly easier on the body doing it on the assault runner rather than on the, on the ground. So, you know, after the swim, it, it, I, you know, I don't know if I had the opportunity to put the shoes on, but obviously, you know, that transition time is probably not needed. And, um, and most of the athletes came off fine of that. I, I don't know if the socks or no, socks wouldn't have really made any difference there. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's some debate in my house about whether or not the athletes would have had the opportunity to have a second pair of shoes waiting for them. And we, we couldn't decide whether or not that was an option. It's like in a, in a triathlon, they 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 would um, transition into different shoes for the bike, wouldn't they? And they're all slippy. So was it the other way around? But they, they have uh, that. They have to change shoes because they're running on the road. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And they have, you know, the, then the transitions become a big thing of the um, of the triathlon. So, so yeah, it, it could have been a factor. I mean, I don't, I wasn't at the briefing, so I don't actually know if they're allowed to wear shoes. My presumption is not because then some of them would have put on shoes. I'm sure. Well, swam in shoes, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's not the the worst thing. I really liked watching Lucy Campbell win that for the women, with elite women. It was really the, the joy and excitement on her face when she won. It was brilliant. It was, and I also I hardly know about her, so it was great to see again another another person coming through who's got got some of the limelight now. Yeah, exactly. You know, taking an event win is always uh, is always fun in a competition like that. So, so yeah, hopefully she uh, did enjoy that moment. Who stood out for you this weekend? Um, I think Velna. Uh, you know, it's very. I don't think people appreciate how hard it is to show dominance in the sport, and Velna showed dominance this weekend. So you know, even though he did win, he also stood out in the sense that he really did execute and showed that he was a step above everyone else, which is is never easy um, to do. Uh, you know, obviously very happy for um, for Emma um, being able to take the the win of the competition. It's been it's been a long time, I think, since she's really come through in that way. It's probably like five years ago since her first big competition win. M- maybe it's somewhere around that, like 15, 16, somewhere in that kind of region. And um, this was really nice for her to come back and, uh, and and take that one. I thought it was brilliant that she got that. And also... The way that she powered through at the end, she was a uh, the, the, the the last day was a uh, really exciting to watch as, as she and Bethany Shepburn were fighting it out. It was really brilliant, and I would really hope that we get her on the podcast soon. So I'd like love to talk to her. Yeah, um, what, interesting. What about what about the um, the elite female teams? Yeah, so so I think that. Um, you know, after the first day, what you saw there was a step in level with um, Team Gowod, who we have obviously Julie and Sola, who combined with Mia. 
Um, and then you had Krieger and Mayfem, and those three teams were were a step above everyone else. And they kind of it was after day one, it was kind of apparent that it would be those three teams fighting for places on the podium. Um, uh, Team GoWorld had a not the best last day, which left it kind of the fight between Mayfem and uh, and Krieger. And um, and you know, I, I think you know Krieger is obviously solid. But the girls, the two of the girls, have been competing on team for for a long time. You then add Kristen into that mix, and you've got a great team. Arguably the same for Mayfem. So you know, our the our girls never really compete on team. So they never trained together, never competed together, and and so for them to even be pushing them is uh, is a big achievement. Have you spoken to any of them? Yeah, I I, um, I sent congratulatory messages and um, I got some uh, emojis back, <laughs> but uh, they I, you know, I think I uh, saw they're out partying, so oh, they might have uh, sore heads this morning. Uh, uh, will Sola or Julie be coming over to train in Mallorca at any time soon? Yeah, I believe Sola's coming in a week or so. Oh, great. Get some sun. Um, and finally, what about the elite boys? What did you think yeah. of um, them? Yeah, so, so obviously, as I mentioned, Valner, you know, super impressive, super dominant. Um, then Alexandra Caron, you know, he's kind of there. He doesn't necessarily have the, the bigger name, but obviously he's proved that he's extremely good. And then someone who's been on enough, Samuel um, Coronia, is that how you pronounce his last name? Cornoye? I don't know, actually. I heard him, his name only, it's obviously his own name didn't get said very much, and all of a sudden he's in third place. But they're all, they're all three of them are Canadian. Yeah, crazy, no? Yeah, well. <laughs> um, and uh, so interestingly, He's someone, so he was with uh, Decacomp for a while and then moved to kind of uh, in the Mayhem pack. So I, I've heard it was actually Adrian I was speaking with um, and he, he said he'd done some stuff with someone and was very impressed at his level. So actually he was one of the picks from Adrian to do well and, and he came through on the last day um, showing that he's doing well. Um, and he'll be, I think it'd be an interesting to, one to watch. You know, I think it has to be sh- like a shout out. You know, one, it's also funny that you have like in six, seven, oh, in seven, eight, and nine, you have Spencer Pantrick, Saxon Pantrick, and Scott Pantrick, which is a very funny uh, <laughs> way for them to finish, you know? Um, and then also. Spencer Pantrick's the youngest twin, the younger of the two. Yeah, and he's the one who's done, um, done the best competitively, oh, aside from Scott. Mm. Um, and I think an interesting one to watch is uh, Dallin Pepper. You know, he's, uh, you know, one of the teams, the male teams haven't broke through as much as the female teams. You know, we're starting to see this kind of wave of female teams now. Who, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Gabby's one of the first to come through from team to, to elite. Um, Haley's done it now. But you've now got like Mal O'Brien, Emma Lawson, Emma Carey, who, are still actually teams competing mm. now in the elite, which is uh, like kind of the next step of that, and a bit uh, interesting to watch if the average age of the the elite performers goes down. I, I don't know. That's something we'll only see over the years. 
Um, but then it's Dallin Pepper, 20 years old, um, super strong, obviously hungry, very close to a game spot. Um, so I, I definitely think he's going to be one to watch over over the year, just especially with that age. It's a lot easier to to develop um, at a younger age. He's only 20, so, so I think it'd be a fun one to watch. But then one of the oldest athletes in the field, if not, no, the, second, the first, the oldest athlete was Scott Panship. The second oldest was Pat Bellner. Mm. And he, and so age over experience or the other way around. I mean, like, um, yeah, you know I what I mean? It's, like, it's, it's important to be young and strong, but also there's a lot to be said with what goes on between your ears and the experience that he's got shows when he was so, so calm and so composed throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it's like the waves of the kind of competitiveness, you know, like, you know, you, you come in, you have lots of advantages being young. Um, <laughs> the only real advantage you have being old is the experience, but uh, mm. you can't knock it, you know. It, it is very useful to know know your body, know the competition, know the processes, you know, all those things. That experience is very useful. Um, but, you know, it's a bit of a change in the guard, maybe. I uh, I think that's the male, the male kind of peaking age may be lower than the female peaking age um, of a CrossFit athlete. Again, you know, we would need Brian Friend to uh, to do his statistical analysis on this, but uh, I think in terms of what we see, you know, Briggs going into in essence will be forty um, this year. I don't, I don't know the oldest male to qualify for the games but um but we've had quite a few females who are already masters competing at the at the game so i i don't know i don't know uh, there's an interesting theory actually one of the friends had that uh, so the percentage drops say you decrease five percent as a female in your strength but then five percent as a male in your strength has more significance so that kind of percentage drop in strength because we tend to maintain our conditioning quite well well, these slight, like kind of slight drop in the top end numbers, you know, is that um, more significant in males because they even at five percent they lose more actual weight, whereas in females you don't lose, you know, relatively um, as much, and therefore goes through. You know? These are kind of like hypotheses that need to be uh, looked into a bit more, but it's just kind of exploring and it'd be very interesting to know if there, there becomes like a typical peaking age of a crossfitter. Too early to tell, probably. Yeah, maybe. You know, I think that he's kind of got some things like Fraser was 30, Froning, I believe, was 30 when he stepped down from individual, somewhere around that. You know, Valner's just turned 30, just over 30. So, so you know, we're kind of getting that... Um, the older age, he has obviously shot the, the age for females down quite a lot. Mm. Um, did you watch any of the male elite teams? Yeah, I, I watched some of the... Quite a, an interesting shake-up over there as well. Yeah, I watched, uh, like, you know, Chandler Smith's uh, barbell work is... Yeah. Is, is, uh, you <laughs> know... <Sketchy. laughs> I mean, wow, he, you know, it's crazy he can carry on <laughs> the way he, he must lives. have like a bulletproof back. Yeah, man. I mean, I, 
it's kind of amazing. It always amazes me that you can get to that level despite your technique, you know, like just grunt through it. Let's, let's not pay any attention to technique. And, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy impressive um, in lots of ways, but, but technically not that impressive. He, he does make me wince. And it's, uh, I mean, like, I've always really liked watching him as an athlete and I've always liked watching him um, uh, improve as well. Now that he's full-time professional, I'm hoping that he'll get better and better, but I wish that he would spend more time practicing his weightlifting. Maybe he needs to go back to basics. I find a bit crazy. is like, this is your bread and butter, you know, this is what you do. And... You know, be it that improving your technique is only going to get you a marginal gain, which I think it will get you a lot more. But why, you know, I just ask, you know, as a coach and, and not even as a coach of sport, you kind of ask yourself, why? <laughs> more time. You know, why, why would you not learn to jerk? Or why would you not, why would you not dedicate more time to technical proficiency and moving well? Because it's probably going to get him more gains than just doing cross. I I just don't understand why people are not doing things correctly technically. And we're not talking about like, you know, a certain style of technique or, you know, that someone does this certain style of split jerk and the kind of nuances of technique. We're talking like, you know, like basic level stuff that's not being achieved. And, and it kind of blows my mind as a coach that the people aren't working on that. But also he's putting himself at risk of pretty major injury as well. He's bringing around lots of weight and, and he's, uh, the way that he catches things is worrying. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why is it, why is it not being worked on? It's, uh, you know, or why is it not improved? You know, maybe they've worked on it, but it's not improved. And I think those questions are really important to answer. Oh, sorry, Chandler. Still like you very much. But... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's super impressive <laughs> to watch. You know, I, you know, if anything is if anything is more impressive. Yeah, to do it like that, you know. I, you know, who else I really like watching was the Australian team, Thunder from Down Under. Yeah, those, those guys. They are. Um... To let all the dogs out. No worries. Yeah, those guys are, um, you know, I, actually Khan um, was at one of the, so back in 2015, when we first went to uh, the games, to one of our games, games camp in Costa Mesa, he was actually over there. And, um, you know, our games camp, relatively serious for, <laughs> for us being Europeans. And Khan was always over there actually trying to get Sarah to go to like, um, you know, these like rooftop parties, we're in California. Okay. Come and hang out. You know, <laughs> even, even then, which is like 2015. So we're like, you know, seven years ago. He was like, uh, and, and, and we, Khan, I've met up with all over the world, like in the UK, in, you know, wherever it is, Denmark. And uh, he's a great guy. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's great to see, you know, I, I really appreciate his, um, it's kind of like happy attitude towards the sport as well. Me too. It's like a, a, a really relaxing to watch him have fun. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. also the team did amazing. They were they they obviously did a great job. Came second, and they did it with a big smile on their face all the time. Not that the not that the winning team didn't as well. Like the boys, they were 
also impressive and also look like they're having a great time. In fact, going team looks like the way to go on Modelapalooza. Yeah, I think so. It's um, there's not there's, the pressure's different, you know. Like a lot of these guys are all individual competitors, and therefore their focus is individual. Um, but you know, throw down as a team is uh, I think good fun for them. But are you at all surprised at the finish for the mayhem, the male mayhem team? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I have them coming first. Uh, yeah, you know, they're just basically, you know, Froning, Froning probably needed better teammates. That's <laughs> the thing. Um, you know, I think in the affiliate cup, Froning's um, level can carry an extra male teammate, no matter the, the level, but he can't carry two other teammates. Um, in this super team format, but you know, I, I, I don't know if they've announced who their who their kind of second male is for the the mayhem team this year. They have to do it soon, don't they? Because they have to all be already been done by the thirteenth of January. So in theory, the person who's on the team needs to be living in Cookland uh, already. Um, I, I don't know who that's. Um, I, I don't know who that is. I believe they're keeping the two girls in the same team. But uh, but yeah, so, so anyway, you know, obviously not a great performance um, or what, not a performance that you would expect from the calibre of teams such as Rich. But this is the difference between kind of the affiliate teams and the super teams. Mm. I think that's why it's kind of sad that CrossFit took away the super teams because... You know, you get some great and interesting teams coming together, but you don't get you don't get as much with the affiliate cup because of the logistical challenges and financial implications that come with that. I never really enjoyed watching the team competitions before, and I really did this weekend. Yeah, this is the thing. You know, you put super teams in there; it become really interesting. A lot of the kind of famous CrossFitters <clears throat> or Crossfitters who might be coming to the end of their individual career all of a sudden have a chance to continue that career in a team. Um, whereas now, you know, if you have to move somewhere for eight months of the year in order to comply, you know, it's just a we, we've, you know, it's just a tough sacrifice and you've really got to question is the sacrifice worth it just to go to the games and the affiliate cup as team. And for a lot of people, it isn't. Whereas if it was super team, you know, you live where you want. And, and the thing is, is that if you live together, you're already a big advantage. So the kind of advantage is already there because you get to train together. Whereas, yeah, so so I I'm, I understand that they want to reward the fittest affiliate, but the whole irony is that um, you know you're not actually testing the fit affiliate because most teams just get other people into their gym to comply with the rules rather than kind of going with the origin of the, the story. What happened with um, the program team? Is there going to be a program team this year? Uh, no, we decided not to. Um, in essence, two reasons, like logistics and financial implications. Like we, we would have to move everyone over to Mallorca um, and everyone would have to, to fund that. And it just becomes expensive, you know? Like, mm. And we, we also have a bit of space issue at the gym. So that means that it'd be very hard to fit some another 
four people in C23 at the moment. So, so we, we've decided, you know, I my focus is very much with um, with, with my athletes. Um, one of our coaches, Chris, was going to be taking on the, the team. Um, but in the end, we decided, okay, let's, uh, you know, we're going to look at the possibilities for 2023 um, as we move forward. Uh, but we're, there's a few things, kind of logistical things that we need to put in place before we can consider that. Any any summing up for Wadapalooza? Anything that you um, anything else we should talk about? Oh, I know what we should talk about: the lack of people that we missed out on seeing Ricky Garrard face down with Patrick Bellner. Although I heard an interview that um, Pat Bellner did where he said he would, if he got to see him, he'd rather just have a little word with him in private rather than have to do something in public. Um, but I don't know if that happens or not. If they, because I know that um, Ricky was on site; he just was ill beforehand. And they decided to withdraw. Yeah. Gee as well pull out, so we missed out on seeing two of the big names. Yeah, agreed. I think um, you know, I, I, the, the 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 kind of roster wasn't stacked as could have been an individual. You know, you take a lot of the people, individuals were in teams. As well, like Noah Olsen, Chandler Smith, and Travis Mayer have all been three males that have repeatedly competed as individuals at Wadapalooza. It's like Kristin, Haley Adams, um, away from the individual side on the, on the team. So, and, and also Dubai was close, which took away some. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like your top, it, Rogue was without question the kind of top caliber of um, off season competition so far. Um, and then both both Waterpalooza and Dubai obviously had um, great athletes there, but the depth is, is not as deep as, say, the games or road. But a good way, a good confidence boost for some of the athletes as they go into the the next stage. hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I know, you know. Obviously, for you know. The, it, the great thing is, is seeing the prize money start to come up in the sport because it, it means the sport can grow in a proper way. You know, like Emma, Emma's walking away with like a life changing amount of money. Um, Good. And you know, that, that might be able to fund her career for, for multiple years and take away a lot of stresses. And, and, you know, if you can start pushing for more prize money, more sponsors, it, it does mean that things can start to rise and do it better right now a lot of the the athletes competing are amateur in the sense that they have side jobs Mm. um full-time they're not full-time athletes uh so so that's that is a significant difference i guess the possibly the the person who's come away from the competition not in a good space is sarah sigmundstotter yes you know i I know Sarah has like uh, a lot of fans. Obviously, she's she's been a great athlete. Um, but you know, you've got to question the choice as well from her team of going Dubai, then into Wadapalooza. You know, they the, everyone on the team was aware that Dubai was a risk that they wanted to take. But then you kind of go, okay, well, let's go a few weeks later to another major competition. You know, I, you know. I don't necessarily understand the reasoning of, of pushing it so far, of trying to, to explore that. She 
had a great um, comeback in Dubai. Um, the need to then push that in Wadapalooza is, you know, re- retrospect is a hard thing, but obviously retrospectively is now not been the, the best decision that they made. No. Well, I hope that she's, whatever reason it is that she pulled out, I hope that it can be yeah. resolved. Exactly. You just hope that she can she can actually have this season to, to come back and compete. You know, hopefully it isn't um, re-aggravated the injury or, or even if it did, that it, it's going to heal quickly. So she can at least be back in time to to make it through the various stages and be competitive at, uh, at the level she needs to be. Well, fingers crossed for her. Yeah. And uh, I shall speak to you again soon. I guess we shall be seeing each other. You've got a load of coaches coming to visit you soon, haven't you? Yeah, the Programme Coaches Conference 2021. Um, 2022. Years <laughs> go by quick. Um, uh, so, yeah, Coach Conference 2022. It's going to be exciting bringing our team our team of coaches together, not our team of athletes. So, um, How many coaches have you got coming over? Um, so I think we'll be eight in total. Wow. It'll be a good number. Uh, and it's going to be exciting because of COVID, we've not been able to get together. So we'll kind of program, um, kind of um, plan our, our coaches' uh, calendar and how we're going to be moving forward as well. well. Maybe I can get to chat to some of those guys soon. Yeah, I think it'd be great to get them on. Cool. Okay, thanks for your time today, John. I'm going to go back to, <laughs> I'm going to go back to uh, re-watching bits of, YouTube now over and over again. Nice. Um, and, and try to come down from my waterpalooza addiction. Yeah, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm going to go home and eat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the same problem as me. I, I uh, yeah. Well, as soon as I've kind of cured my food hunger, I uh, might delve in again. Yeah. Well. Oh, there was um. Yeah, lots of drama on the last day with the rain and all sorts. So plenty to enjoy. Yeah, I you know it's always must be an organizational nightmare. So you know those things are always tough to deal with. Mm. Well, they seem to they seem to cope really well in the end. The solution was found. That's all for now. Look out for another episode coming later this week, where I chat to another fan of European athletes. So until next time, thanks for listening and bye bye. <laughs> Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.